Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Bases loaded and one out. Oh my Sets God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. What is going on, everyone? We have a lot to get into. We have a handful of pitchers, some hitters, early playing time trends, and more to dive into in this part two of these early trends that we're watching. Seasons, you know, about a week and a half, two weeks into the year. There's a lot going on, so let's get right to it instead of wasting time. So we're going to start with this lineup here, the Mets. As you can see, I highlighted Alvarez because, well, Alvarez isn't playing. Uh, yeah, he was called up and it started one of four. People had high hopes for him. They, they should. He has, He's a top prospect. But hearing what Buck Showalter had to say about him, it felt very old school manager-ish. Like he just wasn't very like optimistic in terms of like instant gratification. We're not going to see a lot of them. It sounds like early on Francisco Alvarez talent is there big time power, obviously some swing and miss. We saw that in the minors and in a small cup of coffee last year, but a lot of upside, but the playing time's not there and we need him to gain catcher eligibility in some places. So if he doesn't have catcher eligibility, it's a long-term stash. He's going to be up for upwards of two plus months. So the playing time could easily turn into his, into his favor but as we sit here today that, that that isn't there really isn't much to it in terms of, there is really isn't much for him in terms of playing time so Francisco Alvarez you know you got to hold on to the, you have to kind of bring those expectations down for the expert for an overall playing time if he hits great but if he's not playing enough catcher if he's playing what two to three games a week we're looking at two to three weeks we're looking at about three weeks before he gets eligibility for most for 10 for leagues like NFPC and all that. So keep that in mind. It is a stash, a huge upside play, especially at a position that many people need, but just I would treat him as a stash for now. The next situation we're going to discuss is the Frankie Cordero thing. Like, is this really happening? Is it Frankie Cordero season? He has started, you know, what, five of the last seven, but if you filter out lefties, boom, five straight righties, and they have, I think, another six more righties the rest of this week. Is a popular streamer in deeper leagues, not a guy I'd go out of my way to get. We've, we see him come into the year. Franchi Cordero came into the year with a very uh, strong spring. We saw Franchi run hot with the Red Sox last year. We know what he can do when he's running hot. He gets the short porch in New York. He has a strong side platoon right now. He's a fun one, DFS, uh, deeper league play. But as fast as he, as quick as he gets hot, he can get cold, and next thing you know, he's being dropped. So I wouldn't go crazy on him. I would. It's just a fun, intriguing upside play for power, especially given his skill set and that ballpark. Another guy, huge upside. People seem to really like this year. 
uh i keep calling him amir garrett but in my head it's, it's uh garrett it's garrett stone or St stone garrett excuse me geez i even wrote it down wrong stone garrett of the washington nationals talk about toolsy player he has he is that but what i'm afraid of here is the potential for him to simply be in a uh weak side platoon slash fourth outfield role he has played two of three but like yesterday versus a lefty mind you he didn't start, and that is usually the side of the platoon he gets. It could simply be a day off after playing two straight, but he's DHing. He's not like he's playing the field. Alex Call is the guy getting the playing time right now. As you can see, Call not only getting the playing time, but leading off no matter the matchup, lefties or righties. Against lefties, he usually bets. Uh, let's see. Let's, they've played a lot. Of, see, So even against lefties, he's been leading off, which is weird because normally it's Thomas, but Thomas batted fifth there, second here. So he's been – I think Alex Call just ran. He's running with the leadoff spot right now. He's leading off against righties as well. Alex Call has a lot more appeal here. Uh, Stone Garrett is the upside play for sure because of the tools, but there's a chance because Alex Call was also in this type of role in terms of being a fourth outfield type, a DH type. It took injuries for him to take advantage of that, and it might be that same situation for uh, Stone Garrett. Let's talk about Connor Kappel, a guy that I've talked about a couple times on this uh, on the show here. Connor Kappel, we're looking at his last year's numbers, you know, before entering the year, Capel had he's just 25 years old. He's between three stops. He had 13 homers, 22 stolen bases. This year, we've seen him steal a couple of bases. So the new rules paired with that being a skill set, there is stolen base upside here. Seth Brown is on the IL. The reason why Connor Capel is even being mentioned is because now Connor Capel can enter a strong side platoon. I think they face six of seven righties this this week. So I plugged them in into a 50, but this is a 15 team you know, my, my my main event league. So very deep league guy, but. He had good. He showed good plate skills and on base ability uh, last year across various levels. Never less than one 111 WRC plus. 100 is league average. For, mind you, so he's 11 percent better than league average at every stop. And he doesn't chase. Makes a good amount of contact. It's a. It's almost like a solid high floor type of skill set. Reminds me of like a Bryce Trang type where there's a little bit of pop, but more so speed and batting average upside here. So we'll see what happens. But again, he has a couple stolen bases, and they came off of a pinch a pinch running. Uh, spot so we know he will run when he gets on base he went one for four yesterday i think with a double so again it's a uh it's more of a d it's very deep league play and he's probably going to platoon but there is a uh, a path to floor a path to some type of short-term relevance or it could be long-term it depends on how long that oblique is for seth brown because you know obliques linger hitters will be out longer than expected like hanniger had a grade one and he's been out for like over a month already just to give you an idea of what type of run we can get here so don't sleep on connor Capel. Uh, the next guy, next thing we're going to talk about here is McCormick. Chaz McCormick's leading off for the uh, Houston Astros. And the cool thing about Chaz McCormick leading off is that it was a decision made by Dusty, and it sounds like Jeremy Pena was on board. And Chaz McCormick has now started three straight at, as the leadoff guy. This is after having, you know, again, they've been playing with, like, the Astros always play with playing time. That's why you have Jolks back-to-back -back games. Myers playing. Dubon's hitting over 300. So Mauricio Dubon's playing right now over Hensley. But it's one of these things that there's a lot of fluid, flu, fluidity back here. What's not fluid anymore is McCormick's playing time. He's played five straight, let off three straight. We're talking two home runs, three stolen bases from McCormick. Uh, 877 OPS and a 361 OBP at this time. So, again, early, but he's getting on base, which matters when you're leading off. He's running, and he's hitting for power, which we know he can do both. And one of the only things you should watch out for is that 28% strikeout rate. He has had strikeout rates similar in the past, but he also has a double-digit walk rate, which is why the on-base skills are playing. So the strikeout rate, although concerning, we're talking about a guy that you're getting off waivers anyway, a guy that will lead off for this team for the foreseeable future until Altuve returns or until he underperforms. Right now, McCormick's performing, hitting well. You should ride the wave at the very least, and there's power and speed there. 
another team that has a new leadoff hitter, I guess, is uh, the Tigers, Akil Badu. I thought Matt Brilling would get more run. Uh, so far, Badu came up when Austin Meadows hit the I.L., and he's let off two straight. And Veerling sat the last game. And this is after Veerling's been playing pretty regularly anyway. You know, what, what, what was they played nine games. He's played seven of them. And against lefties, he's been leading off exclusively against righties. He's only played three or five. And now with a kill Badu up, maybe that three or five extends more into a weaker side platoon. But he's not in a strict platoon from the looks of things, which is nice. So Matt Veerling, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. And it's, uh, it's an intriguing overall skill set for Veerling. Um, I'm not in on Badu. I'm not doing it. We've seen them pull the trigger on Badu very quickly in the past. And Badu just, we know there's a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, but he is leading off. So if you're looking for play appearances, you're looking for stolen bases, Kill Badu can offer that. And if you are listening to the podcast, just be aware that, again, we are live streaming, so you can catch all the visuals behind all this I'm talking about on youtube.com slash at GTE Fantasy. Don't forget to check it out and subscribe. For those watching live, subscribe, and you can drop your questions via YouTube, and I will answer them as we move along, just like we did last episode. So let's move over to from this lineup, which is a mess. We can, and again, if you have any questions about players and stuff, drop them in the chat. But we're going to talk about this individual, Oscar Gonzalez. I'm surprised at the short leash we've seen from him because Gonzalez wasn't bad against righties last year. However, this year, the reason why it's highlighted and shortened is because, uh, yeah, they've <laughs> he's played, he started two of six against right handed pitching. Oscar Gonzalez last year against right handed pitching, 308. 337, 470 slash. So that's what, uh, 800 OPS roughly against a uh, against righties with a 129 WRC plus. He actually hit better against righties than left, lefties last year. That's Oscar Gonzalez I'm talking about. I don't understand the quick leash here. I don't understand why Gonzalez is not getting righties. I know Will Brennan, trust me, I'm a Will Brennan guy. So the fact that Will Brennan's getting these these this play appearance, these uh, appearances and ran with them, and he's running with them in comparison. He's not even playing you know, every righty. You can see Will Brennan's only played against four of six. But Brennan is getting... The starts when Gonzalez is not, and it looks like they might give him a chance to run with it. Brennan is off to a decent start. I think he's hitting close to 300, if not 300, but it's such a small sample. There's con, it's very similar to Connor Kaplan, like I was saying, and but Brennan being the better prospect, better bat, good bat to ball skills, not a zero for power, but it's not a strength, but and there's good speed there. So, uh, if you're looking for that type of profile, if you're looking for some speed upside, fifth outfielder, if Will Brennan's going to get the strong side of the platoon, he's on a great team, batting seventh on average, which isn't a terrible spot on this lineup. There's intrigue there, there's appeal there. Don't write him off. I would definitely give him a look if you're desperate enough to do so. The next guy we're talking about here is going to be Johnny Brito. And what I find intriguing about him is that so we can look up here like he's obviously there's a lot. It's new. Everything here is new. The Savant page, everything is all the information we have is new. But what you'll see here is he utilizes that changeup of his majority of the time. He features a five pitch mix four of which Brito throws at least 14.3% of the time. So it's a true four pitch mix. I, I look at it as a 10% uh, usage on a pitch is a true usage of it. It's enough to keep a hitter expecting it. The slider of 3.6% can't really, he only throws it exclusively against lefties as well. So it does give him another option there. But what I want to bring up here is just the potential for more strikeouts. If that curveball with the 40% whiff rate and then having the changeup with a 35.9% whiff rate that he throws, he throws the two pitches combined about 50% of the time there that, that, and I think his O swing was like 37%. Oh, sorry, his O swing to this point is thirty eight point one percent. He, you, but he does pitch a little bit of contact. Has a fifty six point, has a fifty six percent ground ball percentage. So being able to keep the ball on the ground while creating swing and misses, it's a great combo. There's a good floor potential there. Stuff plus of just ninety four, but location plus of one hundred five overall. Like so, he's able to hit his spots. The stuff might not be as good as I'm thinking. If that's a true outlook on it, it's still early. But 
I think that there is a potential there if he can get some if he can continue to swing and misses again, inducing this the chases he does while utilize while able to utilize get ground balls out of his utilization of pitches. Brito is a guy I'm very intrigued by. I think there's a lot of like back end rotation type of upside. I would put him in that range of like I, I give him more upside than Braxton Garrett, but that's where my head goes with it. like Braxton Garrett, uh, Chris Bubich, these guys that um we're getting like are getting kind of run kind of maybe a Bryce Elder. If as long as Brito's up, I think he has that type of potential because he's you know pitches for the Yankees, good wins up upside. He can be a good ratio guy. It's just gonna be strikeouts. And again, that's why Bryce Elder and uh Braxton Garrett came to mind. I think I could say Garrett Cooper, Braxton Garrett. That's why those guys come to mind because those are guys that I feel like are fair comps. But I think Brito, I think Brito could fit into that type of like you know, solid, safe, freight, like back in rotation type. That's just not over the top ceiling wise. Maybe I'm a little pessimistic. Maybe that's even optimistic for him, but I think that's where, that's where my head went when I saw this other stuff about him, about Brito real quick. Uh, he sits about 95 and a half miles per hour on the four seam. So there's good velo there to help offset these, you know, the secondaries. He uses the change up fastball again, change up fastball, mostly against lefties. Look at the heavy, the fastball has been exclusively against lefties so far. So it's one of those things where he has pitches versus, and then he throws a sinker versus righties, a curveball versus righties. Or, so he has it's nice to know that there's a young pitcher like this that has this utilization, but we're likely going to see a lot of the usage flip as we go into starts when he faces right heavier righty lineups. So but Brito having a whiff pitch in the changeup against lefties and a whiff pitch in the chain in the curveball against righties, that's promising. It suggests that there is that potential for Brito to sustain like some type of like again, that that just that floor. I feel like that there's there. You don't want to, you want the sinker not to be right here. You don't want that sinker located in the middle like this hot heat zone shows. But uh, other than that, yeah, you can see he kind of hits his spots. He's all he's all around the shadow zone of these uh of these zones. Maybe not so much with the slider, but maybe that's why he doesn't throw it too much. But when you look at it, look, he's like really he's living on the edges, which again plays to, explains the ground ball rate. Really does when players put contact on it, it's not hard hits. But and you can see the eighty six percentile hard hit rate tells you just that as well. So although these sliders give you an idea of what to expect. Maybe and that's why you see your X slug up and all that barrel right. He's he's allowing he's allowing hard contact, but it's not quality contact. Or it is quality, but it's on the ground. So that he you can survive that as long as he keeps that tight rope and he's known for his control. Sorry to belabor the whole uh Johnny Brito. I just think it's very intriguing when we get a new player coming up that kind of isn't wasn't expected to be a very solid contributor early on to a team as a whole and has a path to remaining on the team. So Johnny Brito. I, I don't, he's not a must get in like 12s and 10s. He's fringe 12, but 15s, he should be rostered if he's not already. Bobby Witt Jr., let's talk about him. People are concerned about him, but there's a lot of reasons not to be. Obviously, home runs and stolen bases are still there two and two, but the fact that he's hitting 158 with a 148 bad, I was like, all right, cool. So there's bad, bad luck. Not surprised, but what's causing the bad, bad, bit? you can't just, you, you can't, these days we have so much information just looking at, but saying bad, bad, bit luck is very lazy analysis, in my opinion. So you got to, you have to dig deeper. And obviously you look right away at the plate discipline metrics. You're seeing that the strikeout rates are right in line with last year. And he actually, he's almost doubled his walk rate from 2022 to this point. And it's actually more in line with what you saw in 2021 in the minors, the 9.5% walk rate that uh, Bobby Witt Jr. has at the moment. So you go here and this is where I, this is where I found, I found the problem. Ground ball rate's fine. Look at this line drive rate, 6.9% line drive rate. When you compare it to last year at 17.4% and 20% of the minors, 55.2% fly ball rate. So extreme fly ball heavy and 31.3% infield fly ball rate. The highest it's been since AAA in, 20, in 2021 at 23.9%. So we already know he's kind of prone to those infield fly balls, but we're talking an absurd, like a crazy 31.3%. That's something that should regress to a more and normalized closer to uh the only issue is, is last year was like the outlier with the 9.8 percent so maybe he is a high infield fly ball guy and if you guys are curious that's infield fly ball per fly ball per on um 
fan graphs. I pulled up, the, you can see the definition if you're watching the live stream. But uh, yeah, so that's concerning. That's where the concern comes in. The bad bit is low, but it's because of that. It's because he's hitting the ball in the air a ton. He's not pulling the ball a lot. So the ball is hitting the air to all parts of the field, mostly center field and deep, you know, center field, Coffin Stadium isn't going to be very friendly to him. But yeah, it's a uh, it's an extreme fly ball approach, and that's causing the bad babbit. So saying bad babbit luck, it's it is true, but it's also being earned. So you can't sit there and just say Bobby Witt is unlucky completely when part of the unluck the unluckiness if that's even a word of the profile is his own doing. Will it correct? I believe it will. I wasn't a huge Bobby Witt guy early on. This isn't a victory lap by any means because I still see positives in the profile. But the one glaring negative is something that I feel like he can address and has in the past. But again, we're talking about a guy who has been pretty five ball heavy in the past. And if you continue getting under the ball the way he is, you're not going to get those hard hits. And you can see the soft contact is way up. The medium contact is kind of in line with last year, but it's really soft contact is up almost 10% on fan graphs. And the, the hard hit rate, if we look at the stack has data, the hard hit rate, I guarantee you, is actually it's actually harder than last year surprisingly i thought that'd be down too but less barrels that makes sense his launch angle is way up but again it goes back to him getting under everything so obviously getting under the ball it's a launch angle is a that's another thing about launch angle it's a launch angle is a reflection of what the player is doing not the cause it's about there's attack angle i was talking to prospect guys that are way smarter than me about this but um it, pretty much what it boiled down to from my understanding of it is attack angle and launch angle are not the same and an attack angle is what causes it's like reaction to, to uh, it's it's the fallout is the launch angle. The launch angle is not the true, like, it's not the, the attack angle. There's a difference. But, yes, uh, launch angle is more of a reflection of the fact that he is getting under the ball more, that he's, um that the and that makes sense with the fly balls and all that good stuff. So, although he's hitting the ball hard, it's not going very far. Or it's not, um and he's not getting those home runs. He's not getting that, he's not getting the balls pulled. But the contact rates are fine. Less swing and miss in his profile at, at, at this point as well for Bobby Witt Jr., so I'm not concerned. Overall contact going up and, and all that. There's a lot of positives, just that really big negative I harped on. So that's Bollywood Jr. I wouldn't worry for all the you fantasy managers out there that have them. I think there's a, I think there's better days ahead. Hunter Brown changed things up from last start to this one. And that's why I found it found it interesting. I wanted to bring it up because Hunter Brown was a very popular uh, you know, sleeper, breakout, whatever you want to call him preseason. And now he's having himself like he had the whatever start, but maybe it was a slow start. And then this one, you see a huge difference in his pitch utilization from first start to second start. Hunter Brown pitch, first pitch and second pitch difference. So the four seamer in the first start, 43 percent, uh, 14. Uh, he dropped the usage 14 percent to 29 percent in, in the second start. Curveball, you saw six more percent utilization in the second start. Slider, 12.3 percent more utilization and the splitter he barely threw it in the first start and pretty much stopped throwing it in the second only one percent usage and if you look at the if we pull up actually all of it you can see exactly how the second start went you see just a lot more positives he he, he just it was just it was just working for him i mean it's just i just pulled i pulled up the, the pitch count number here but what i'm getting at is that he changed things up what matters here the big takeaway here is that hunter brown changed things up and got results i like what we saw there we're going to continue to monitor this because we want to see how this pitch mix, pitch mix falls that falls. Does it settle closer to what we saw last start? Is there a happy middle ground? Do they attack this team a certain way? Early in the season, player, players, pitchers, hitters, they're going to tinker with things and find figure out what works for them. So it's going to be interesting to see what works for Hunter Brown. But we saw it work for him his last start. And it's, it's encouraging to see a young player like that adapt from a rough first outing, change the game plan, and it worked for him. So he's obviously going to... I think he has the type of skill set to continue doing that and working through any kinks that might pop up along the way. Seth Lugo is intriguing, and a lot of it is because of the fact that he was obviously not a starter last year. He hasn't started a game since 2020. Entered the year as a starter. Strikeouts aren't a strength of his, but 
we're talking about a guy who's inducing early on nearly 70% uh, ground balls, 67.6%, and a strand rate of 94.8%. So obviously, he is getting lucky there. The, the regression monster is probably coming his way, but reg regression to what? We're talking about a guy who's inducing a ton of ground balls. Seth Lugo's limiting limiting home runs for the most part. Home run per nine is under one. And his K-minus walk rate isn't terrible. It's 16%. So we're not, it's not bad. It's just not elite, nothing special. With that said, the ratios, you know, he's 1.38 ERA, but everything suggests he's more of a three ERA, a mid threes ERA pitcher. But again, where you got Seth Lugo, if you're looking at him in shallower formats, if he's available. Seth Lugo, he's good. Like he's good. He's not great. He's not fantastic, but he's gonna, he's good enough to stick to this rotation. And he's even again when the regression monster comes, Lugo will regress to a really solid back end pitcher. Nothing fun, nothing fancy, but that's fine. You know, not every player is going to be a home run hitter. Mediocrity is okay in deeper formats, and he's a guy that's he's he's limiting. Uh, yeah, kind of. It's a little bit too much hard contact for my liking, but he's it's keeping it on the ground is kind of the key there. So as long as this approach works for him, the reason why I even brought him up though first, what caught my attention with him is that all the velo is down. However, the velo being down for a guy like Lugo makes sense because again, he's transitioning from reliever to starter. They tend to take uh, velocity off their pitches when they are when they make that transition and or the vice versa when we saw like for instance matt brash his velocity went way up skyrocketed um to a point where it was like, like overly impressive as a reliever because they could throw harder because they're going out for shorter periods of time uh i do like but yeah lugo's just a guy that he is kind of just a guy in anything other than 15s but it's just it's a guy that i thought was worth mentioning and bringing up because he is very intriguing in terms of what he's doing and the slider that's what i wanted to talk about his slider his slider usage uh, his slider had big movement we're talking a um, negative, sorry, what was it? Oh, sorry, his slider had five and a half less miles per hour, but a huge amount of movement change on it. Let's pull up his uh, Savant page, actually, so we can look it up real quick. Because I have it in my notes, I forgot to write down how much of a movement it was, but the reason why it matters is because that pitch is working for him, and that's part of what's working. So the decreased velocity, sometimes it's by design. And again, with him, the reason why I want to bring it up is because his, his decrease in velocity is by design. The slider usage is at 11.4%. With, he's not getting a whole bunch of whiffs on it, but it's just a whole lot more move, different movement patterns. Just I found it just very interesting. But he's able to look at the damage. We're talking about a zero batting average against a, a, one, a 149 X slug, a 128 X woba. So he's not getting whiffs with it, but he's generating a ton of soft contact or no contact at all, which is why it's really, and it's again, he utilizes it strictly against righties, which is, you know, a lot of what he'll see. So we'll see what happens here. But again, just a safe, solid contributor, nothing fancy, nothing special here. Let's talk about Trent Grisham, another Mariner. Oh, wow, Mariner? What is wrong with me? Another Padre. Aye, aye, aye. It's, uh, it's, it's early still, right? I'm going to use that as my excuse. Three home runs, good walk rate, striking out plenty. The batting average is always an issue, but he's never been a batting average guy. The, what's weird is like, okay, cool. The on-base percentage is down, even with a double-digit walk rate. I expect that to correct itself. More of like, it's going to matter how he hits, though, because obviously 2020 is what you're chasing. He would need to cut the strikeout rate a little more, and we would see that. If once the batting average creeps up a little, we'd see the OBP creep up. It doesn't matter. He has over 800 OPS, 122 WRC plus, an XO of 438 compared to 357. So he's even unlucky while performing. And the big reason why I'm bringing him up is because what you're seeing here is an early change in approach. You have the you have first off the hard hit rate and barrel rates are skyrocketing, and this matters because where is it? The ground ball rate is also way down. Last I checked, yes, 30.8 percent. He's a career 41 percent ground ball rate guy. Fly balls are through the roof right now. I wish he would hit a little more line drives because that would help the batting average. But the fly balls, the fly balls are through the roof and the 59.1% pull rate. He's making a point to sell out for power a little bit. And the, where he's where he's selling off power or where he's uh, he's being more aggressive. Look at this. The O swing, 
like seven percent above seven percent up from last year already and almost ten percent actually like eight point nine percent up from his overall like all time his average uh, o swing and then you have his contact rates remaining while he's been more aggressive look at the swing rate swing rate career high 41 45 percent right now about six percent higher than his uh average uh con again contact rates are about where they were last year a little less but again he's being a little more aggressive the swinging strike rate is up but it's the highest it's ever been and even at, at its highest it's still it's still roughly league average i got rid of the numbers apparently on the thing but it's still roughly league average league average being around 11.3 11.4 percent last i checked his is about 12 point something percent so trend from what i'm getting at is that it's um it's just that it's on purpose and then his first pitch swing rate if it's still what it was yesterday or at least close to it what you had was a 22 percent last year or career sorry his career average is 22 percent first pitch swing percentage while it's 28 percent or 28.6 percent to be exact was the number i have written down here uh what we're seeing in first pitch swinging so it's a design it's a change in approach it's leading to the power production we're seeing he's selling out for power but just know that first off he's not going to lead off long term tatis returns in like what eight nine days uh and then on top of that but he's gonna but he's gonna remain playing is kind of the important part so maybe he can move himself up the lineup however it is what it is i think that's who he might be if he's only a 230 240 hitter if he's 240 you're lucky but if he's like a 225 230 hitter but he's giving you power and you need power you could do worse i guess i just i'm not i, I don't know it's just one of those things where I feel like the floor could just the, the rug can just be pulled from under him. All right. And then next, you know, we're stuck holding the bag here. Carlos Carrasco. Uh <laughs> that's the analysis, right? Look at that four seam fastball placement. He's all over the place, but a lot of that red is right down the middle. There's part of the issue that changeup staying in the zone more than you probably want to in the middle. The slider, he's at least keeping that towards the uh depends on which side you're looking at. The uh one side of the plate, though. Sinker, he's not even hitting the zone with the curveball. Yeah, look at all that red right down the middle as well. He's you hang him, you bang him. But a lot of the issues also that decrease in velocity. We're talking two miles per hour on the four seam, uh, mile per hour on the changeup, which is fine. Who cares? The secondaries can fluctuate, especially if you have more movement on them. You'll have pitchers throw secondaries purposely softer to get more movement. But the four seam, it's it's notably different. But again, we're talking about a guy who's coming off what a little bit of a dead arm phase at the end of camp or something like uh, I forgot how they termed it. Something that was concerning enough to where it's like. How's that normal for a pitcher? It was something like like his arm does this once in a while. It was like an elbow thing or something. So maybe that's lingering. Maybe Crosco's a slow starter. I don't know. I do know that looking at it, it's like he's walk. He's throwing. He has more walks than strikeouts right now. The the, uh, the ERA indicators are terrible, but he he's been terrible. Sure, the strand rate is due to regress. The home run rate is due to regress, but not if he's eight, not if he continues to locate the ball poorly and and walk the yard. So Carrasco is a uh, he's a tough hold in most formats and negative 4.8 K minus walk rate is funny. Uh, it's early. I don't mind stashing them, but like in shallower leagues, I don't mind moving on from them. But I just don't I, I don't know what's going on here. I think it could maybe is it also partly that maybe France uh, uh, Alvarez Francisco Alvarez was calling a poor game yesterday. But yeah, we're talking about bad, bad all around. The O swing is 23.9 percent. The uh Swing strike rate is also piss poor at 8.3%. League averages for these, for reference, 11.2% uh, for starting pitchers is the, the league average swing strike rate right now. And then the league average chase rate, which is O swing, 31.6%. And as mentioned, Carrasco has a 23.9%. So he's not inducing chases. He's not getting swing and miss. Nothing's going right. It's hard to roster a guy like that right now, especially how bad pitching has been. He is not helping. He is no more than a stash. And even then, shallower leagues, how are you really going to stash him? It's kind of tough, in my opinion. Anthony Discafani is a guy I want to talk about here. Tony Disco. I have a long, long, long 
history of loving this guy. And the one year I have, I think, one share in a DC, he's going to have his best year of his career, isn't he? Um, I don't expect him to stay healthy. But early on, we're seeing some fun things going on here. With the uh, with Anthony Scafani, you have the velo being up across the board pretty much, uh, at least last last. Oh, no, it's overall. Yeah, sorry, it's overall. The sinker's up about a mile per hour. I don't care about the change up. The four-seamer, it was just the sinker. So the sinker was up is what caught my attention. Last start, a few pitches were up more than usual for on the year, but overall in the year, we're talking about the sinker being up about a mile per hour. The curveball being up three, about a little over three, about two and a half miles per hour here. And uh, I think it was the movement on this. Yeah, there was movement. A whole bunch of, so we're seeing pitch mix change here too. The movement, there's, uh, let's see, let me regather myself. So the change up. So on the sinker, oh man, my notes are all over the place. I really screw these notes up. Let's, let's just do it on the fly. Why don't we, shall we? So the sinker, I think, was what caught my attention with the movement difference. So the sinker had, yes, it had about an inch more, about uh, almost uh, less than an inch more of movement, which one had all the movement change? Slider? Sorry, again, my notes were better than this. I'm This is terrible. So the slider is getting more vertical movement, about two inches more vertical movement, while also getting... A, uh, almost uh, a little about a little over half an inch more break of, of H of horizontal movement as well. Yeah, there was movement changes going on here. The change up itself had uh, has one more inch of horizontal movement and two uh, about an inch and a half more of vertical movement. Again, I apologize for how choppy that came out because my notes were all over the place. But quick note on the pitch mix change: you're getting I do oh so you're getting more sinkers, more change ups, and more sliders here for Descafani, which. And in, in the process, he's dropping the four seam and curve. The four seam, he dropped 10% of the time, almost 9.4%. And the curve, 8.8% less. While really honing in on this slider sinker changeup combination, as you can see, he threw three, four pitches at least 13% of the time last year. This year, he has a three pitch mix with the pitch being the third pitch being the changeup being utilized 16.1% six, of the time as his third pitch. And the rest of them are. 34% and 40% being the sinker and slider, respectively. The changeup usage was the most notably. So that's why all the changes on the changeup caught my attention is because he upped the changeup usage from 5.8% last year to 16.1%. Again, I apologize. My notes were screwed up, and that was a terrible breakdown for those listening or watching. I apologize that we dragged through that. Michael Kopech bounced back, but was he really any good? <laughs> um, uh the, here's the notable changes from week from start one to start two. He featured a fastball slider usage, essentially dropping the cutter. Uh, essentially dropping the slider usage. Oh, sorry, dropping the changeup and, and curveball usage. I think it was the changeup that was most notably dropped. We it was a uh, less than ten percent. It was the changeup. Sorry, the changeup. Jeez, you know what? You would think I'd be better at this by now. <laughs> the changeup was used 16.5% in week one compared to less than 10% in week two. He went so much heavier with the fastball slider combo back to his two pitch mix. The slider was up 20%. And that's the problem. He's a two pitch pitcher, it looks like. Or at least he feels, at least that's what he reverted to when trying to get comfortable. Kopech allows too many home runs right now. Still a ton of fly balls, too many walks. I'm not encouraged by the second start all that much. Even though it was better, I don't think it's going to last all that all that long being better. The last guy, oh, no, not the last guy. A couple more pitchers we're going to talk about here. Uh, Logan Webb, more horizontal movement on the sinker. He, he got two two more inches and then 2.4 inches on the changeup. The changeup has been amazing. We're talking 46.2% whiff rate, which is up 20% from 2022. And so far this year, the changeup has a 62.5% O swing and a 29.9% swing strike rate early on. Those are, like, again, it's a great out pitch. The K minus walk rate, he up big time for uh, our boy here, Logan Webb. The underlying metrics are in his favor as well, but the K minus walk rate is 27.1% for those interested because I 
thought I'd mention that because <laughs> that matters. He's been rather unlucky with the BABIP 366 and a left on base percentage rate of 61%, which is a strand rate basically. But his issue, the big issue here is the home runs. The dude is getting crushed by the long ball. We're talking a 30.8 home run to fly ball rate. And I feel like that's going to regress positively in his, in his, uh, as the season goes on, as he gets more comfortable. But dude, the changeup has been wild. The, the movement on his pitches have been great. His strikeout stuff is there. It's just a matter of not missing his spots. Logan Webb, the strikeouts are improving this year. I think with the strikeout, what we're seeing from the strikeout rate, or the strikeout, the gains and strikeouts is going to stick. It's a matter of stopping that long ball from happening. So maybe some of that, maybe he pitches the contact a little more as he tries to avoid missing his location and spots. But ultimately, there's a lot to like here from Logan Webb, and I think you should be encouraged. Now, here's a guy that no one's talking about really, Johan Oviedo. Really bad, or it might be Johan. I apologize if I mess up. Uh, really bad first start. Second start, we saw him uh, kind of kind of bounce back. But early pitch mix, to note, the was the curveball is up, I believe. Yeah, the curveball is up about 10%, which is, you know, again, notable, a notable difference. And in response to the curveball being up in terms of usage for Oviedo, he's throwing less four seamers, less sliders, which again matters because he's throwing about 10% less, fa- less fastballs while sustaining that slider usage relatively close to last year. He's actually leading with sliders more. So he throws a slider the most, four seamers the second most, curveball the third most, utilizing those three pitches at least 19% of the time early on. And I found that interesting because on the curveball, it's like a tighter pitch. Oh, no, sorry, the slider. The slider is a tighter pitch. That's like that makes sense. The slider is being thrown three miles per hour harder on average here. As you can see, 85.7 miles per hour to 88.8 miles per hour. So there's a three, three mile per hour gain in terms of velo, but there's less movement. So it's a t- again, it's a tighter pitch. And that's why I'm intrigued because he's throwing harder. Is it more of like a cutter now? That's where I'm like kind of trying to figure out with Oviedo. But all things considered, he's the, it's the Pirates. There's not a whole lot of upside there for wins. But... What there is upside there for is just a back-end, two-start type, uh, deeper league type. But Oviedo flashed some upside late last year. I know there were some analysts in on him to begin the year. So Oviedo is a guy that I'm finding myself intrigued by in deeper formats, more so as a watch list type, though, not so much as someone I must get type of thing. So just be be advised there with Oviedo. So it's the pitch mix, the change in shape of the slider, and the velo change in that slider, which, again, could be acting more as a, a mix, like a... Like a not quite a cutter, but not as big of a mover as the slider. And then the last guy we're talking about here, because why not? Why can't? Why wouldn't we end the show with this guy? Uh, Victor Robles, because <laughs> you know we can't have a we can't have a fantasy baseball season or a baseball season in general without Victor Robles being relevant-ish at one point or another. A lot of intrigue early on. Again, we're talking forty-one play appearances, very small sample, but he's walking more than he's striking out. Twelve point two percent walk rate to seven point three percent strikeout rate. The hard hit rate is up, but not good. Thirty-three point three percent is one of the better, if not the best, of his career to this point. But again, not great. Uh, contact rates are up across the board, but most notably was the ninety-one point one percent Z contact, which is contact made inside the zone. I find that very interesting because that is like an elite number. I don't expect it to stick, but he is a former top prospect with pedigree i don't see why that like, but again he does this every year he goes through these like hot streaks cold streaks whatever he's lacking barrels and that concerns me the ground ball rate is 53 percent. that's not going to play less swing and miss and chasing this game so obviously the contact rates are being earned right now just something i thought you should keep your eyes on because if he does hit on that prospect pedigree by any chance you'll be in a good spot but that's going to do it. No questions in the chat. I appreciate those who did watch during the live stream and those listening. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com at GTE fantasy. And of course the Patreon where we break down all this and more every day, patreon.com slash GTE fantasy. Apologize for a few of those little screw ups of the analysis in the middle. I hope you still gained information from it, but 
appreciate it. And we'll talk probably in either tomorrow or the next day. So we'll be back soon and we'll talk soon. <laughs>